Okay, we are in Nehemiah chapter 12, and starting verse 31 today. So uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for uh, giving us this history of your interaction with your people. Lord, over and over again, we see how even though your people uh, try hard and fail, um, you're still gracious to them and, and you keep your promises that you're the faithful one, Lord, in all our relationships. And we just thank you for uh, showing us that. And we do pray that we will be able to be uh, with with the help of your spirit to be even more f- faithful than the, uh, the Jews were back uh, at this time and and be more consistent in our relationship with you. And we just pray you'll continue to encourage us to do that. We pray for your blessings now on, as we study your word and uh, pray you'll help us to gain an understanding of you and, and our relationship to you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. <coughs> okay, this morning we are going to read, uh, starting in chapter 12, verse 43, after our last list of names, and go through chapter 13, verse 9. So 12.43 through 13.9. Then they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fields, and the tithes, to gather them into the portions required by the law, for the priests and for the Levites, according to the fields of the town. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. Forty-five. They performed the service of their God in the service of purification, along with the singers and gatekeepers, as David and his son Solomon had prescribed. For in the days of David, Nathan's of old, there were feasts of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Rehoboam and Nehemiah, all Israel contributed the daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside the portion for the descendants of Aaron. On that day they read aloud from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and there was found written in it that no Ammonite or Moabite should enter the assembly of God. For they did not meet the people of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet our God turned the curse into a blessing. As soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. Now before this, the priest <coughs> had been put in charge of the storeroom of the house of our God. He was a relative of Tobiah and had prepared a large room for him, where they had previously stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, <coughs> the articles, and the tenths of grain, new wine, and fresh oil prescribed for the Levites, singers, and gatekeepers along with a contribution for the priests. But during all this, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of our captious king of Babylon, I had returned to the king, and after certain days obtained leave from the king. And came back to Jerusalem. Here I learned about the evil thing Elisha had done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. And it was very displeasing to me, so I threw all of Tobiah's household goods out of the room. Then I gave orders, and they cleansed the chambers, and I brought back there the vessels of the house of God, 
Okay. I'm going to read a whole bunch of verses. I think we only had six names in there, so (laughs) that's a change. Um, So the last time we were in Nehemiah, the the first part of this chapter 12 is genealogies. He lists the heads of the household of the priests and also the heads of the households of the Levites. And there's two lists of each. If you remember, the first list was when they first came back under uh, Joshua the high priest, Jeshua or Joshua the high priest, uh, when they first returned from captivity. So there was a list of the heads of the households at that time. And then he gave another list under the the next high priest, Joachim. So that would have been the next generation or maybe roughly 40 years later. So we've got two lists each of the priests and the Levites. And again, this just emphasizes how important it was to the Jews that uh, you had to have your name written down in a, in a list somewhere to be able to function in your, um, in your capacity. And it also that you know, your, your place in the Jewish society was de- determined by your family. It's a little bit like being born into the royal family of England. You know you're, you're kinda, your future is kind of set out for you. You don't have a lot of choice. You can't go become a, um, a truck driver or something. <coughs> you know, So um, that was very important to them. The other thing they had was a, a list of the high priests. Uh, and a lot of times you'll see... Um, dates set, you know, in the, you know, so-and-so is the high priest. So that gives you a certain period of time. And that's how they, in some cases, set up their calendars during the days of this priest or the days of that priest um, is when certain things happen. So then what the main action, though, in, in chapter 12 is the dedication of the wall. Back in chapter 6, they finished the wall. And, and we had all this intervening chapters about all the other things that they did but now they're dedicating the wall and they're going to have a big celebration so the first thing they did was they had to get the Levites because the Levites are the ones that had all the musical instruments they had all the singers so they had to get the Levites from the surrounding towns to come to Jerusalem and they got them gathered together and um, also the priests and Nehemiah has them uh, together uh, by the wall in Jerusalem. So we're actually starting around verse 31. That's where we left off last time. It says, Then I had the leaders of Judah come up on top of the wall, and I appointed two great choirs, the first proceeding to the right on top of the wall toward the refuse gate. If you remember when Nehemiah first came to Jerusalem, he went out at night. He went out through what's called the Valley Gate, on the western wall, and then he circled down around counterclockwise, around the south part of the city, and then started back up on the east side along the Kidron Valley. That's the path this first group of first choir group is going to take, except they're on top of the wall instead of riding along below, looking at the rubble. It doesn't say Valley Gate here, but when you look at the other gates that they come to, that's kind of the only possible place where they would be able to get up on the wall. 
So Nehemiah gets the uh, half the leaders, two great choirs. Um, verse 32, uh, he lists the uh, leader of the choir, and then half of the leaders of Judah followed them. And so we have the names of those leaders. So they're heading south um, on top of the wall. I don't know if they're singing and playing their musical instruments as they go. We're not really told that, but they're dedicating the wall. And so we've got the names of the leaders who are with them. Uh, verse 35 notes, again, the, some of the sons of the priests with trumpets. The, the priests were given the trumpets. Way back, we looked under the uh, in, at Mount Sinai. God said the priests would blow the trumpets. Now, a lot of that is because the trumpets were used for issuing commands. Like uh, um, back in the days of the cavalry, you know, you had a trumpeter, and they would trumpet certain musical phrases would indicate to charge, to retreat, or to do different things. And so the, the priests were in charge of the trumpets because they used them for the same purposes. Um, but the Levites had all the other instruments, if you look at the end of verse 27, it says, uh, with songs to the accompaniment of cymbals, harps, and lyres. So all the other musical instruments belong to the Levites. So we have that uh, in verse 35, the trumpets. Uh, verse 36, it says at the, end, the second part of verse 36, again, these are... Um, Levites, and says, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra the scribe went before them. So these are all the instruments, the music that David had set up for the Levites to play, and Ezra is leading this group. So they're going down around counterclockwise around the, the city. Um, Verse 37 kind of describes the progress. It says they go by the fountain gate, which is down near the southern end of the city, and then they start back north up the um, east side of the wall building, or east side of the city on top of the wall, and it's, they have to climb a hill, so it talks about going up the, the stairway of the wall above the house of David. And they go up to the water gate, which is not the one in Washington, D.C. It's, <laughs> it's uh, a gate on the east wall about halfway up the length of the city. Down below it is the Gihon Spring. And so the people would go out through the water gate to get water from the spring. So they're going around in that, in that direction. And then in verses 38 and 39, we have the, the other half of a choir, the second choir. So it says the second choir proceeded to the left, while I followed them with half of the people on the wall and then above the tower of furnaces. And then it describes um, different towers, different parts of the wall, different gates. And so Nehemiah is going with this other half. So they're going around clockwise, starting at the valley gate and going north up the west wall and across around the top of the north end of the city, and, and they're going to meet the other choir. So they kind of start on a southwest corner, and they meet up in the northeast corner, and they go in opposite directions. 
Now it lists a bunch of gates and towers here. Um, back in chapter 3 when we were reading about what group of people were repairing what section of wall, the description started in the northeast corner and went counterclockwise. And so there, when, you, when you read these lists of walls, it's in opposite order as in chapter 3, but they're all listed. It's the same list of walls, so of towers and, and gates. So they're going around the other way, and they meet in that opposite corner of the wall. And that's what we have in verse 40 and through 42. Then the two choirs took their stand in the house of God. So did I and half the officials with me. That's verse 40. So they meet. It doesn't tell us what gate they're at, but they meet up there uh, at one of those gates. Well, actually, the end of verse 39 says they stopped at the gate of the guard. So it does tell us. They, they meet at the gate of the guard. They come down off the wall, both choirs, and together they go into the temple compound. And so the choirs are going in and are standing in front of the temple. Um, Nehemiah is there. He's The half of the officials that were with him are, are still with him. It doesn't say anything about the other half, but we assume that Ezra and the other half of the officials are, are there also standing opposite them. So verse 41 lists the priests, and uh, at the end of it, again, with their trumpets. We, The priests have the trumpets. And then 42 lists uh, the Levites, and it ends by saying, and the singers sang with Jezahariah, their leader. So they're singing and playing instruments, and the priests are blowing their trumpets. So verse 43, and on that day, they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. Even the women and children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. So this verse kind of uh, summarizes the celebration, the dedication service of the wall at the temple. So there's a lot of great sacrifices. So these are probably sacrifices of thanksgiving, um, thanks offerings at this dedication. Let's turn back in Second Chronicles chapter 7. This is the dedication of Solomon's temple. Second Chronicles chapter 7. We'll look at the sacrifices offered there. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Would someone like to read verses 4 through 6? Then the king and all the people offered sacrifice before the Lord. King Solomon offered as a sacrifice 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. The priests stood at their posts, the Levites also, with the instruments for music, for the Lord that King David had made for giving thanks to the Lord. For his steadfast love endures forever. Whenever David offered praises by their ministry, opposite them the priests sounded trumpets, and all Israel stood. Okay, so a very similar celebration. 
the singing, the um, using the instruments that David provided, the priest with the trumpets, and the sacrifices. 22,000 oxen. Can you imagine the work involved with 22,000 oxen? I think Olivia might appreciate that. <laughs> to do 12, yeah. That's a lot of, yeah, that's a lot of, I don't think in Nehemiah's time they had that many. But they did, it does say a great sacrifice. Um, but uh, compared to King Solomon, I don't think they, they were even close hardly. Now the real emphasis on this verse, <coughs> excuse me, verse 43 is joy. Because you see the word joy or a derivative four times in one verse. Um, and then at the beginning <coughs> of the next verse, there's also mentioned joy. Um, so they rejoice because, and it says, because God gave them great joy. Let's look at Psalm 30. So I'd like to read verses 11 and 12. Psalm 30, verses 11 and 12. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. In my heart be sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Okay, and God will change our, our sorrows into joy. And so he gives them great joy. Um, and I, you know, I had an experience as a young believer when I was feeling kind of miserable and praying to God and and had my emotions changed. It was kind of startling that, you know, all of a sudden I felt joy and comfort and peace. You know, God can do that for us. You know, even in the midst of, without changing circumstances, He can change our sorrows into joy. In this case, the circumstances were changed as well. They now had a, a wall, a completed wall they were celebrating, and so there's great joy. Um, it also says that the women and children also rejoiced, which I don't know why that should be so unusual, except perhaps that normally they would not be attending these kinds of ceremonies. But they had reason to rejoice, because now they had a fortified city for protection. Let's turn back to Second Chronicles again. This time chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And would someone like to read verses 10 through 13? Ten through thirteen, Second Chronicles twenty. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. 
Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Okay, so they're being attacked. Jerusalem is being surrounded and attacked. And we see that they are going to God, petitioning God to protect them and save them, including the women and children. Because in war, women and children suffer as much as men do. Maybe the men are the ones out fighting, but you know, as we can see in Ukraine, uh, everybody suffers. So having a fortified city is, is a great comfort to them, and, and they, re they are rejoicing along with everyone else. Now this uh, celebration, it says that uh, the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. So again, this is kind of like a, a football stadium on game day, and you can hear the crowds cheering from a long distance away. So they were, uh, this was very enthusiastic rejoicing. And way back in uh, Ezra chapter 3, if you remember when they laid the foundations of the temple, we had great rejoicing, and we had a similar phrase at that point, that they were heard from afar. So again, we have great rejoicing going on in Jerusalem. And so this is all the uh, dedication service for the, for the city walls being completed. Verse 44 uh, is a little change of subject. It says, on that day, men were also appointed over the chambers for the stores, the contributions, the first fruits, the tithes, to gather them from the fields of the cities, the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who served. <coughs> so the same day they're celebrating the dedication of the wall, uh, they also take care of some business of appointing people to look over or watch, take care of the chambers, the storerooms in the in the temple complex. And we've seen before that you know some of the Levites typically were responsible for this. These weren't, you know, just I guess you call them lay people from other tribes, but this was people from within the tribe of Levi um, who would do this. And you see this the storerooms contain you know, all the supplies necessary for temple worship. Um, you know, first fruits, uh, okay, the storerooms, uh, all the things that were required. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about they had to have wood. You're going to have rooms full of firewood, that kind of storage. Uh, one other place that mentions frankincense for the uh, incense. And then all the the first fruits were brought in, all the the tithes. So you had to have like a granary, uh, you know, wine stored, oil, lots of material. And so uh, they needed someone to, to watch over that and to, and to take care of that. Um, and the question that I had was, why would they go about doing this on the same day that they were trying to dedicate the temple? Or excuse me, the the wall, the completed wall. 
it seems like you have so much planning and coordination going on with with a wall that you could put the uh, appointing uh, guards for the chambers off to another day. Uh, but I think, and this is speculation on my part, is that you have all the people coming to Jerusalem who may not have brought their, their tithes earlier. So since they say, okay, we're going to be going to Jerusalem to celebrate, let's take our tithes then. So all these people are flooding into the city and they're bringing gifts and, and we have you know, many sacrifices being made. And I think they had a huge influx of offerings and tithes and everything on this day. And also, uh, you know, it talks about how they uh, rejoiced over the priests and the Levites. So they've been to this dedication ceremony, and I, you know, I can Im imagine the priests are all in their robes blowing the trumpets, and you've got the two great choirs of Levites, and they're probably in robes singing, and, and everyone says, wow, this is so great. You know, I want to contribute to keep this going. You know, that's kind of speculation on my part, but I think there was a lot of uh, attitude of, I want to give at this time. And, and, and so they were probably just flooded with sacrifices, and they needed more people here to help uh, with, this, with the storage rooms. So you've got all these um, offerings coming in. It says, as required by law, the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. And we had seen in the... Oh, we're, we're in Nehemiah, book of Nehemiah chapter 12. And right now we're looking at verse 44 going into verse 45, getting near the end of the book. Okay, so we've had the, we've talked about the, the first fruits, the tithes. That was back in chapter 10. They wrote a, the people put together a, like a covenant that said that we're going to bring these things according to law and uh, make these contributions as we're supposed to. Okay, going on to verses 45 and 46. And again, this talks about the, the Levites and the, basically in the priests. <coughs> so it says, For they perform the worship of their God and their service of purification together with the singers and the gatekeepers in accordance with the command of David and his son Solomon. For in the days of Solomon and Asaph, in ancient times, there were leaders of the singers, songs of praise, and hymns of thanksgiving to God. So this is these two verses just give a real general overview of the duties of the priests and the Levites as defined back in the days of David and Solomon. And we've mentioned this before. You, you go back to First Chronicles and there's like three or four chapters where David organizes all the priests, he organizes the Levites, gives them all their different duties. He's, he's the one that, we've already mentioned the, the musical instruments that he's provided for them. He's, he's laid out the order of service. God told him he couldn't build the tabernacle, or build the temple, but he did everything up to the point of actually construction. He got to gather all the materials, set up all the worship services, and then his son Solomon actually built the temple.
Um, so we see that uh, you know under the leadership during the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, they basically tried <coughs> to follow all these established practices as best they could. Um, I'd go back and, and do things the way David had, had set things up. <clears throat> so we see the, uh, you know, one of the reasons the description of the duties help explain why the people appreciated them so much at the end of verse 44, that the priests performed the worship services, they performed the purification rituals, the Levites and the gatekeepers took care of the security of the temple and the storerooms, and the singers led the worship services. Okay, now looking at verse 47, um, and the end of chapter 12, it says, And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and Nehemiah gave the portions due the singers and gatekeepers as each day required, and set apart the consecrated portions for the Levites, and the Levites set apart the consecrated portions for the sons of Aaron. So these, this verse addresses really the tithes and the offerings that were provided uh, for the sustenance of the priests and the Levites, since they were not given land on which to raise crops or, or animals, they were provided for by the, the rest of Israel. Um, and we saw earlier that the, the sacrificial offerings and the first fruits belong to the priests. This is back in, let's turn back to chapter 10. This is where the people wrote up their covenant that said, yes, we will do what the law requires as far as uh, taking care of our priests and our Levites. Chapter 10, looking at verses 35 and 36. It says, in order that they might bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of every tree to the house of the Lord annually, <clears throat> and bring to the house of our God the firstborn of our sons and our cattle and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks, as it is written in the law for the priests who are ministering in the house of our God. So they recognize that the, the law said that they were required to bring their, the first fruits and the firstborn to support the priests. And then we also saw, in, in, uh, still in chapter 10 of Nehemiah, the second part of verse 37, um, it talks about uh, not the first fruits, but it says, and the tithe, getting toward the end of verse 37, and the tithe of our ground to the Levites. For the Levites are they who receive the tithes in all the rural, rural towns, and the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithes, and the Levites shall bring up the tenth of the tithes to the house of our God to the chambers of the storeroom. So here's the tithe being received by the Levites. It was for the, that was for their support. But then the Levites tithed from that, a tenth of what they received, then went to the storeroom in, the, uh, in Jerusalem for the priests. And so it says that uh, that is what they were doing. Uh, and that was 
it was due to the um, unto the singers and the gatekeepers. They were families of Levites, so these are all Levites. The singers and the gatekeepers are kind of mentioned separately. Um, but all this was given to them as was uh, required. But it says, uh, <clears throat> during the days of Zerubbabel and Nehemiah. So going back, looking at our history, Zerubbabel was the governor when the Jews returned from captivity in Babylon way back in um, 536 B.C. Nehemiah was the governor who arrived in 444 B.C. So that's almost 100 years later. So we know that they were doing the tithing and during the times of these two governors. But obviously there had to be some other governors in between and some afterwards. And this is where I was trying to find out, well, who, who are these other governors? Because you know the books of Ezra and Nehemiah don't mention anybody. Um, and so I started looking through commentaries and things. And, and so there was, some of them were kind of speculating. One said, well, after Zerubbabel, his son Meshulam ruled as governor. Um, there's another source that says, well, if there's not a governor, then the high priest must have been uh, ruling over the province. Um, but then I found a, a, a more detailed source that had a lot of archaeological evidence. You know, they would find pieces of pottery and things uh, with names on them. So-and-so who was governor of Judah. So, here's a list of governors, starting with Zerubbabel, who uh, we already mentioned. He was followed by El Nathan, who they estimate for about 20 years, Jehoazer for another 20 years, and Azai for about 20 years which brings us then to Nehemiah. So we've got three other men who were governors in the midst of these, between them. And they were already mentioned. Let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 5. Not mentioned by name. So go back to Nehemiah chapter 5. And someone like to read verses 14 and 15 for us. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governors. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them for their daily ration, 40 shekels of silver, even their servants lorded over the people. But I did not do this, though, because of the fear of God. Okay, so remember we were talking about Nehemiah's telling us that he was a beneficial governor. He took care of the people. Um, as governor, he was apparently under Persian law allowed to tax the people for his own expenses. And he said he did not do that. We saw in other places that he paid for the expenses of his government out of his own uh, wealth. But, you know, he, he mentions that the previous governors didn't do that. They burdened the people. 
So that's these three names we just read. Um, they were a burden to the people. Um, do you think they were very concerned about taking tithes for the support of the Levites? Probably not. So that's why our passage is saying uh, Zerubbabel, who did care about the Levites, and Nehemiah, who cared about the Levites, made sure that they were provided for. But in that intermeeting, intermittent uh, well, 90 years or so, or whatever it was, there was not a lot of care given to the Levites, that they were not necessarily taken care of. And we'll find, uh, as we get into chapter 13, that after Nehemiah, the same thing happened again. That they continued to fail to uh, comply with the, the law and, t and provide for the Levites. So, uh, getting into chapter 13, we, is, there's a gap here. Um, we just saw that Nehemiah had ruled as governor for 12 years. The wall was built in his first year. We had talked about, it says the wall was built in 52 days, if you remember right from chapter 6. Then they had they they had the they celebrated the feast of booze. Um, they read the law. Had that there was a time of uh, of confession of sin and supplication to God. They wrote the covenant that they would obey God. They dedicated the wall. All this probably happened in, in Nehemiah's first year. So there's another 11 years to the end of his term. And in chapter 13, we look at verse 6. It says, But during this all this time I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had gone to the king. After some time, however, I asked leave from the king. So he served 12 years, went back to the king, either in Babylon or Susa, he was there for an unknown amount of time and then returned to Jerusalem. And that's when all this stuff happens. So between the end of chapter 12 and the beginning of chapter 13, there's probably like a 11 or 12 year gap or maybe a few more years. So we've seen that before where there's a gap between chapters. Back in Ezra, between chapters in one place, we had a 60 year gap. So here we have like a 10 to 12 year gap. And so chapter 13 basically deals with what does Nehemiah find when he returns for his second term as governor. And so this is, again, there's a gap here, and we'll pick this up next week. Uh, so we've, we've come to the end of our time for today. So. Um, we need to close. Sunel, would you like to close in prayer for us? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time in your word where we can learn about you and, and like our, our history and our path as we learn in the coming. It helps us understand issues they've had that sometimes are not much different than what we see in the world today. We just thank you for Mills and his work and we just pray that
the service that comes that will honor you in our worship and that we'll learn more about what you would have us to learn. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.